Well, good morning. I bet you're wondering where Alex is today. Well, Alex is out of town today. He is preaching uh, in uh, Branson, Missouri today. He's at the Canacuck uh, Family Camp. And so I'm going to ask you to do one thing for him. Please pray for him all week. There's about 100 families that he's going to be able to minister to uh, this week. And so you just ask God on his behalf uh, to, to do what God wants to do and to help all of those folks and just the impact as they leave Branson at the end of next week and they go back to their homes, that God could have amazing influence um, in their lives. Uh, we tell you today, welcome. For those that are here at Battle Creek, thank you so much uh, for being here today. And those that are at our other campuses at Midtown and downtown here in Tulsa and DuPage in Chicago, those that are watching from Cairo. Those are just watching online today. We say thank you so much for watching. We invite you to come and to be a part of one of our uh, campuses. I also want to let you know, because I want you to make sure that you're here next Sunday, because next Sunday, Ted Cunningham is going to be here and he's going to be speaking. Now, for those of you who've heard Ted before, you need to let the other people know who haven't heard Ted before how excited we get when Ted comes to our church, right? Yes, absolutely. Ted will be an amazing blessing in your life, so I invite you to come back and to be a part of uh, next Sunday. Uh, my name's Keith. I'm the campus pastor here at Battle Creek, and uh, I just want to tell you today, I love my church. You say, well, Keith, you're supposed to love your church. You're on staff and, you know, all that. We pay you to love us. No. <laughs> I was a member here long before I ever was on staff. We've been a part of this church for almost 10 years, and, and I can tell you, I love this place. And not only am I a story of Battle Creek, we're all stories of Battle Creek. And I love the stories that we find here at the church. And this week I heard about a lady named Nancy uh, who's been coming to our church for the last couple of years. And uh, she, her story was that she was living in California. And because of what she experienced in the church that she was a part of, she had some separation from church and, and had a bad experience there. And then she moved here to be closer here in Tulsa to be closer to uh, her family. And as a part of that, one of her grandchildren just a couple years ago at um, one of our baptism services at uh, Big Splash, uh, her grandchild was baptized. She got connected to the church. And now today, after all of that, she found a place that accepted her. She found a place that wanted to help her to grow in her relationship with Lord and wanted to love on her. And today now she's a volunteer and she serves here on this campus and she's a part of what we're doing here. And here's what I know. I know that this place is full of stories like that. All of our campuses are full of stories like that. And so I just want to say to you today that if you're a guest today and maybe you've been looking for a place that will help you to connect to the Lord, help you connect to the church, help you to find and understand what your mission maybe is in the world from the Lord, you found it. This is the place for you. And so we invite you to keep coming back, keep connecting with us and allow us to connect with you. And we would love for you to be a part of the team and what's going on at the church.at. Uh, All right, so we begin a brand new series today and it's called Wonder. And today and through the month of July, we're gonna be talking about um, miracles. And we're gonna be using examples and miracles from the word of God and relating those um, into our life. And have you ever thought about the difference between the miraculous and the spectacular, because there is a difference. Uh, I, I think about spectacular, you know, I think about Texas Stadium, obviously, and how spectacular uh, it is, you know, and you walk in there, it just blows you away. Uh, I got to live in Chicago for a while, and while I was there, my favorite pizza place to go to was a place uh, named Giordano's. Giordano's is the best deep dish 
style pizza you've ever had in your life. It is spectacular. Uh, there's other things in life that are spectacular, right? You, you, you stand in line at Burnco here in Tulsa, right? And you're standing there and they give you a rib. I mean, you're standing in line to eat and they give you a rib and you gnaw on that rib and it's amazing. It's delicious. That's spectacular, right? A, a, a burnt orange sunset is spectacular. Remembering that kiss at your wedding, that was spectacular. Holding a newborn baby is spectacular. Yesterday I went over to Arkansas and I got to hold my two-week-old nephew, Jay, you know, and just look down at that sweet little baby until he screamed at me and it gave me back to my sister-in-law, right? But it's spectacular, right? Holding a newborn baby. Uh, when I think of spectacular, I think of Bruce Willis in, in Armageddon, right? And Ben Affleck is standing there. They're standing there on that meteor, right? And you're right, he rips that hose out of it and he shoves him back in that elevator, gives him the patch, right? Take care of my sweet little girl. And he sends him back up into the ship. And then Bruce Willis saves the world. That's spectacular. You're not here today if it's not for Bruce Willis, ladies and gentlemen. I'm just telling you right now. But there is a difference between the spectacular and the miraculous. I remember uh, we lived in Broken Arrow for over 20 years, and uh, we lived right down the street, two miles from the church. And our back fence is on a street called Aspen uh, here in Broken Arrow. And about uh, 11 years ago, my wife calls me in a panic, and she says the house is on fire. And I said, did you call the fire department? And she said, no, I called you. I said, call the fire department, right? And so I jump in, in the car and I go racing home and I go past my back fence and I see smoke coming out the side of our roof on both sides. Let me tell you something, you hit the accelerator even harder at that point. So I go turning into our neighborhood and I pull in, there's smoke coming out. The fire department hadn't gotten there just yet, right? So I go over. And I start, Jennifer's got the, this 90-pound lab that we had. She had to drag her out of the house, you know, across the street. And I start moving cars out of the driveway. And then the fire department shows up, you know. And there's just something surreal about standing across the street in your neighbor's driveway and looking at your house on fire. And firefighters going in and busting out windows and doors and black smoke. I'll never forget, my brother-in-law, Andrew, is a firefighter in Broken Arrow, and he was on duty that day, and he heard the call. Can you imagine? He heard the address, and he parks at the end of our I'll never forget, I'm looking down the street, and I see him running. It's like a scene out of Chicago Fire. I mean, he's in full gear, right, and his hat's just kind of barely hanging on. And I'll just, I'll never forget that day, and you're standing there, and all of a sudden you realize oh my gosh, that's all of our stuff, right? And I remember the chief coming over and getting us and walking us inside, and it's black. I mean, it's just a bomb has gone off. And I had these really cool speakers from the 90s, right? And they were on poles, and they were about this tall, and they were like taffy, and they had dripped down. And my big tube TV was leaning forward, right? And uh, I mean, you're just like, oh my God, what am I going to do without a TV, right? And and then you start thinking, all we have is what we have on, right? And our kids show up, and all they have are the clothes that they wore to school that day, and our toothbrush is no good. And we walk in the kitchen, and the chicken is in the crock pot that we were going to eat that night. And we start going through the house, and you begin to realize we have nothing. We have nothing. What are we going to do? And people begin to show up, right, and begin meeting needs, immediate needs that we have in our life about taking care of the house and 
taking us down to Walmart and spending $300 on pajamas and toothbrushes and, and, and people at my work, right, just doing everything that they possibly could to help our family. There are times in your life that you're confronted with situations that you need God, you need people to show up uh, and to help you. I don't know if you guys have met uh, Lucas, who's our new uh, senior high pastor, or Josh, who's our new junior high pastor. Great guys. You need to get to know them. If you're parents of teenagers, you need to thank God for, for them and what they're doing down our student ministry now. But I was talking to Lucas the other day, and he's telling me a story. Uh, he loves fish. He loves being around water. And he was out, and he's walking up from the lake, and he's got a, um, a basket full of fish. And a game warden comes walking down uh, at the same time. And you guys all know what that feeling, whether you have your license or not, you know what that feels like. And uh, Lucas reaches and nothing. And so the game warden comes down. He says, you got a permit for all those fish. And Lucas says, well, these are my pet fish. (laughs) True story. Thank God for your student pastor. Uh, and the game warden says, what do you mean pet fish? He goes, yeah, every night uh, I love the water, love my fish. We come down here to the lake and I dump them in the lake and they swim around for half an hour. I whistle and, and uh, they come and they jump in my basket. I was like, that's, that's really good, Lucas. That was quick. And he, he says, well, he says the game warden responds. And he told me what the game warden said. I'm not going to share it with you because it's really harsh. He, but basically he said, I don't believe you. And so Lucas says, okay, I'll show you. And so he walks over to the side of the water and he dumps the fish back into, into the pond, into the lake. And the game warden says, okay, I want to see this because I don't believe it. And he waits, the game warden waits five minutes. And he walks over and he says, okay, where are the fish? And he goes, what? He goes your pet fish, where are the pet fish? He goes, Lucas said, what fish? I don't see any fish. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes you need something special to happen, you know, in your life. Sometimes you need a miracle. <laughs> Maybe you can relate to that. You know, you can relate to the fact that you have a situation. And it's not a situation where you're trying to get out of a ticket or you're trying to, you know, catch that winning pass to win the Super Bowl or your team to hit that winning shot to win the championship. I'm talking about a real deal. God, you got to show up kind of moment um, in your life. Maybe it's a situation where your boss walks in. And just looks you square in the eye, or maybe he's looking down at the ground, and he says, "I'm sorry, I gotta let you go." And you're you're overwhelmed in that moment, or maybe you're looking at Quicken, or you're looking at the checkbook, or you got an email from the bank, and you're thinking, "There's eight days left in this month, and I got nothing. What am I gonna do for my babies?" There's just situations in our life, right? Maybe it's marriage. Maybe your marriage is in a situation. Communication is dead. You wonder, are we going to make it? Maybe you've been betrayed. Can I really forgive? Hearts are becoming cold. Hearts are becoming calloused. Those are those kind of moments. Or maybe the doctor walks in and the doctor says those words, this is life or death. In those moments, we understand, I need miracles. I need a miracle in my life. And I'm so thankful for this word, the Bible, because it is filled with miracles where people just like me, the stories might be a little different, all right? Maybe there's a slingshot involved or maybe there's a 
pool involved and I don't have a, but I mean, there's just these stores and these people I can connect with because they were just like me. They need God's help. And there's example after example in the word of God. I knew exactly what I was speaking about this week, but I had no idea what was going to show up on my one-year Bible. Almost every passage of scripture every day this last week in my one-year Bible was about God showing up and doing miracles in people's life. And you might see sitting here today and you say, yeah, but I want that, but why doesn't God do that in my life? I believe he wants to. I believe with all my heart that God wants to work that way in your life. And I believe that we can learn from the miracles in the Bible. And and today I want us to look at one, Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18, go ahead and turn there. And we're going to focus on one miracle that's in the midst of lots and lots of miracles. Go back and read the whole book. And in this particular miracle, we see a blind man that is able to see his way through his miracle in his life. And I'm just going to confess to you today, on the front side of all of this, I believe in miracles. I am completely unobjective in this particular situation. I have seen them. I have received them. I look for them, I watch for them, I seek them, and I just like, that's a miracle. I believe that God does things in amazing ways, physically and relationally, in so many ways in our life. And frankly, I'll just be honest with you today in regard to me, it's a miracle this morning that I can even sit here and stand here and have enough voice to be able to preach this sermon. And if you knew my story, you would be able to relate to that. And you might say, well, Keith, I know some of your story, man. There was doctors involved and there was medicine involved. Let me just say something. If you were able to see how they dissected my body and took things apart and put them back together and sewed them up and then the amount of radiation that they sent into my body and the fact that I'm even still alive from all that, you go, you know what? That's a miracle because it is. It's a marvelous event. It's when God showed up and he did extraordinary things in my life. And he made it possible for me to be able to sit here today and to preach this sermon. He's given me enough voice that I can preach for an hour and 15 minutes. And I can't wait for every single one of them. That was a joke, okay? You're supposed to laugh (laughs) at that part. Let's just go to Luke chapter 18. And in Luke chapter 18... Okay, obviously this book's written by Luke. Uh, We just got through studying the book of Acts, which was also written uh, by Luke. And and in Acts, he downloads to us the story of the new church and its growth and, and all those things. And here in the book of Luke, he captures the story of Jesus from the birth all the way through his life. And Luke says, I'm gonna give a careful account. And he goes all the way back and all the way through. And he recounts stories and parables and all these things that happen in in Jesus' life. And in Luke chapter 18, verse 35, we see a literal story about a blind man. And it says in verse 35, as Jesus approached Jericho, okay, which he's on his way. He's not there yet, but he's on his way to Jericho. At Jericho, he's going to meet a guy by the name of Zacchaeus. Okay, you may know that story. Uh, But as he approached Jericho, a blind beggar was sitting beside the road. And when he heard the noise of a crowd going past, he asked what was happening. In verse 37, they told him that Jesus, the Nazarene, was going by. So he began shouting. Okay, He knows about Jesus. He knows what's been happening in Jesus' life and what's been happening to other people through Jesus' life. And so he begins to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. 
Okay, so we're going to read the whole story eventually. But I think along the way there's these principles that we can pull out. And I think we find the first one right here with this exclamation point. And the first thing today is this. When, when you talk to God about a miracle that you need to, in your life, when you speak to God, speak with great passion. Speak to God with great passion about the miracle that you need in your life. For us today, how do we do that? How do we talk to it? We'll do that through prayer. right? That's how we communicate uh, with God. And so when you pray, what I want to encourage you today, I want you to pray with intensity. Pray with feeling. Pray with urgency. Have you ever noticed with your children? Have you noticed with kids? Right? That, that when kids ask for things, they're not, you're not always completely sure about what it is that they're asking for. And sometimes you can get a little confused in the way that they do it because what do they do? Well, I want this. No, no, no. I want this. Right? No, no, no. I want that. Right? But there is that moment with each of us, with our children, that we look at them and we listen to them and we hear the tone in their voice and we see the way that they say it and they go, I want this. And I don't care if it's a birthday or it's Christmas or whatever the situation is. You just know that's what they want. I believe it works that way with God. I believe that works that way uh, with us in our life, that there are times when God can look at us and he can really understand the things that we want. And there are times that he can know, you know, you really don't want it that badly because he hears us pray. And sometimes we, we say we want something, but we don't even want it so strongly that we're willing to pray about it more than once or twice. You have to be passionate. This man was passionate and he has to speak and he has to shout and he shares and God knows what it is that he wants. It works like that with us, I think, with God. That God sometimes hears us praying. He says, okay, they're going, they want this. They don't want that. They want this. They don't want that. I think that God, just like us as a father, can hear us praying and see us praying and he really knows sometimes, oh, they want that. That is what they need. In life, you have to be passionate. Look, in, look down in verse number 38 again. Because in verse 38, he's got passion. He knows exactly what he wants. And he begins to, he begins to show. He begins shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He knows exactly what he wants. And he begins to share it with God. Here's a problem that each of us face. I face it. I'm assuming that you face it too. Is this thing that I would call dutiful praying. And I believe, my own theory, that dutiful praying leads to doo-doo praying, right? It just stinks and it, it, just, it just doesn't work. It's not real. I have it and so do you. And it's when you pray and your heart's not in it. It's when you pray and your heart's not in it. And, you, and you're just mouthing words and you're just saying phrases. You don't really feel it deep down inside. And maybe we might call it, you know, if those of us who are real Churchy, it's vain repetition, right? That you just keep saying these things over and over again. It might be a phrase like, um, God, would you please bless the gift and the giver? God, would you bless this food to the nourishment of my body? Uh, God, would you help us to have a great day? Now, is there anything wrong with those words or those phrases? Absolutely not, right? But when you begin using those phrases over and over again, and all they become is just some utterance and some syllables that get thrown together, and there's not passion behind it, it's ineffective. And when you're not praying with feeling, when you're not praying with passion, you're not praying with excitement, God's got to be looking down going, I don't think they really want that. I don't think that's true. I believe that when we pray, we ought to pray in such a way that God knows what is on our 
hearts. Look at Jeremiah 20, or listen to Jeremiah 29, verse 13. You can write it down and look at it later. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. Half-hearted praying doesn't cut it. Wholeheartedly, with all that you've got, with everything that you have, pray. Listen to this. It is better to have heart without words in prayer than it is to have words without heart. Let me read that one more time. It is better to have heart without words in prayer than it is to have words without heart. You ever seen a really talented athlete who doesn't have heart? I don't pick them. I don't want them on my fantasy team. Right? I don't want them on my team trying to help me win a championship. I want the guy who has heart. Sometimes the most spiritual prayer that you can pray in your life is help. God, help me. Please, God, help. That's passionate praying. About three months ago, I think, three, three and a half, um, I was in Oklahoma City with my mom and my dad. And my dad went up there to have a calf done to be able to check out some things with his heart and just been having a hard time physically. And so we go up there. And he's in there a long time, to be honest, much longer than he was supposed to. And so finally the, the heart doctor comes out and he tells my mom and I, he says, listen, we're going to have to check him into the hospital. We're not going to be able to let him go. Um, we weren't able to do the small stuff we wanted to do today. He's going to have to have bypass surgery. Really? How many bypasses is he going to have to have? Three and maybe a couple more. Really? Yeah. He, and he begins to tell us that basically my dad's heart, the, the main artery going into his heart, the one they call the widow maker, is completely blocked. And he said, literally, your dad could just die at any moment. Okay. And so they get him all checked in. I remember I go back to Tulsa that night, get some stuff from my mom. And uh, the next day, go back. They do some testing and all that kind of stuff. And so we get there early the next morning. Of course, we circle up as a family and we pray, believing God's going to do what God does. And so he has surgery that day. It's a long surgery. And uh, everything the doctor told us <coughs> as they came out and gave us updates was things was going well. Great. Okay, so he goes into ICU. I wait around for a little bit. And uh, they're giving us just all, all good. It just went great. Here's a couple things we got to fix later, but it's feeling good. And so I asked my mom. My brother's there. I said, Mom, I'm going to go back to Tulsa. I'll come back tomorrow. And she's like, that's fine. No problem at all. And so I get in the car and take off. And we get just back to the freeway, maybe 10 minutes. And my phone rings, and it's my mom. And she says, your dad's blood pressure just dropped. It just bottomed out. Can you come back? And so U-turn, get back up to OU Medical Center, and um, get back upstairs. And my mom's not doing well. And we're there with my brother and my son. And the and, uh, doctor comes by, gives us an update. An hour goes by, and it bottomed out again. And what we found out later was basically they lost him a couple of times. And they were able to bring him back. And so finally, I get to go back, and I get to see my dad. He's in ICU, and he's on a ventilator. I've been on a ventilator, but I didn't see myself on a ventilator. And so it wasn't quite as dramatic for me, but seeing my dad on a ventilator, something else. And I convinced my mom that she needs to rest, and so she stays out in the waiting room with my brother that night, and I stayed next to my dad. And um, I'll try to recreate as best I can. I'm not a great storyteller, but... 
My dad's laying there. He's on a ventilator. Basically, he's in a, a coma with all the drugs that he's taken, and his chest is going up and down with the machine. There's a nurse who's assigned to him all night long. She didn't go anywhere, and all she did all night was work these three, four IV trees that are covered with bags of medicine, just moving stuff up and down, just trying to get his blood pressure to where it would be stable. And I will never forget, um, I can touch my hand right now, and I can remember holding my dad's hand and how his skin felt in my hand. And I can remember praying, and God, I need you passionately. Do not let this be the last night that I see my dad. Um, and I just, I'm praying hard. And I'm, t- I'm, I'm holding my dad's hand here, and I'm texting with my other hand, and I'm asking people to pray for him, my friends, and I'm texting Alex, and, and then prayers start coming back to me on my, on my iPhone. And so I begin reading them over my father and praying to him. Let me tell you something. I was, you feel it right now. I was passionate that night. There was nothing else in my life that I was thinking about. There was nothing else I was asking God for but to heal my dad. There has to be passion that you express to God as you ask for a miracle in your life. Here's the second thing that I see. You have to be relentless in the pursuit of your miracle. You have to keep on praying until that miracle happens. Be relentless in the pursuit of your miracle. Go back to verse 39. And and people, here's what people say to him. Be quiet. Can you imagine if that nurse told me to be quiet? Yeah. Yeah. Not just hand gestures, but verbal conversation between the two of us. I'm going to be, and they say, be quiet. The people in front yelled at him, but he only shouted louder. Son of David, have mercy on me. I like this guy. He's determined, right? Nothing's going to stop him from getting to God and getting the miracle that he needs in his life and getting to Jesus. I admire his bullheadedness. Right? I admire his focus and his tenaciousness and what he was trying to accomplish. And it's, he just says it even more loudly. Listen, Jesus, I know they're yelling at me, but I want a miracle. And I need you in my life. And I just have to ask you, just like I have to ask myself, are you relentless in your prayer to God? Are you relentless when you express to him your needs or do you just pray for them and drop them? When the answer doesn't come. Because if you do, you quit too soon. You quit too soon. Why should I be persistent? Should I be persistent because God's asleep and I need to wake him up so that he can hear me and all that? No. God isn't like that. Look at, listen to Romans 8.32. Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Listen, he loves you to care for you and to care for all of your needs. Matthew chapter 7 verse 11 says that God loves to give good gifts to his children. So if you sinful people, right, and he's not human and perfect fathers, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? Why should I be persistent? Because it demonstrates to him how serious you are and what you really care about in your life. If I don't care enough about something, I'm not going to express it. I'm not going to share it. I'm I'm not going to keep going with it. Matter of fact, if I don't care enough, I'll probably bring it up one time, and then I'm going to move on. Sometimes, here's what I've discovered in life. The more you have to wait for something, the more you appreciate it. 
And I will tell you, there are things I've been praying for in my life that I've been praying for for over a decade. And so there's a lot of days when I pray it, I go, maybe it's just not going to happen. And God reminds me, keep on asking. Keep on asking. Keep on telling me what it is that you want in your life. And there may be a situation in your life where you say, you know what, God? I need a turnaround. And you fill in the blank. It's a financial turnaround. It's a relational turnaround. It's a whatever it is for you. And there are some things that we have to put feet to and, and, and hands to in our life. Because there's got to be times when God hears us ask for those things that he goes, you know what? I've given you some principles that you can apply to your life that will help you. How are you doing with that? And so there are some things that we have to do in our life and principles that we need to apply in our life. So there can be some turnarounds in our life. But listen, there are times that we just have to go to God because we know I'm going to do everything that I can do. But I need God to do everything that he can do if we've even got a chance here to see this come through. When you obey these principles oftentimes in your life, naturally God's able to do the things that he wants to do. So many times in our life we're confronted with situations where we need him to show up. Colossians chapter 4, verse number 2, says that the reason that I don't have what I want is because I don't ask God for it. We don't have sometimes because we don't ask. God never shuts his storehouse until we shut our mouth. I read that this week. I got a hold of me. God never shuts his storehouse until I start to shut my mouth. I believe with all my heart. Listen, I'm looking around this room right now, and I'm seeing people, and I know stories. I know situations that you've been through, that you're going through. And I'm thinking, you know, they may be looking at me today going, you know what, Keith, I've been praying for that for a long time. And I still haven't gotten the answer. All I can tell you is, the Word of God says, you have to be relentless. You have to be relentless. Matter of fact, it says you have to keep knocking. If you were to come to my house today, Later on, and you walk up to my front door, and, you, and, and this is what you do. And you take off. You think I'm going to answer the door? Heck no. I'm probably not even going to hear you. So you're probably going to have to. And because I'm getting a little older. And because I have a peephole and I look through the door, I want to see if you're really serious. Right? you got to keep knocking. It's the reason that Bath and Body sends you that same I'm sorry, Bed Bath & Beyond, that's who gets me. It's the reason that Bed Bath & Beyond sends you that same email every morning. 20% off your next purchase, right? And you don't, you don't stop getting it until you unsubscribe. Matter of fact, if you go use it, they'll send you another email. <laughs> they will. But you click unsubscribe, it all stops. Listen, we don't have an unsubscribe button on us. God doesn't unsubscribe from us. He keeps Hearing us. We got to keep sending it to him. We got to keep bringing it to him. You just don't knock once. You keep knocking. You keep after him. Because the Bible says, listen, the Bible says to keep asking, to keep knocking, and to keep seeking. You have to be relentless if you want a miracle. And then the third thing I hear and that I see is you have to clearly articulate your request. Clearly articulate your request. What's that mean? It means don't be vague, it means to be specific. It means to be uh, direct and to be clear what it is uh, that you want. Tell God exactly what it is that you want in living color and in detail. Look at verse 40. When Jesus heard him, what's Jesus do? Jesus heard him, he stopped. 
and ordered that the man be brought to him. As the man came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, he said, I want to see. I mean, if it's like, it's the point of the spear, right? He just makes it very clear to Jesus. This is exactly what I want. I want to see. He got to the point. If Jesus asks you this morning, let's say Jesus shows up today. And Jesus picks all these people. He walks up to you. And he says, what do you want? What do you need? What's your answer going to be? Do you have the point of the spear? Do you have that clear thing in your life that you can precisely tell him, Jesus Christ, this is exactly what I need in my life. James 4.2 says that the reason that I don't have what I want is because I don't ask God for it. Ask and it shall be given. Right? Ask and it shall be given. Because God is our Heavenly Father. He loves to shower us with gifts. Right? We we just can't be vague. We have to be clear. Vague praying is lazy praying. I mean, can you imagine one of your kids just casually asking you for a new car? It's like, man, you better be on your hands and knees begging me if you're wanting something like that, right? You just, you need to be clear. I, I just want a vehicle, right? No, your kids don't talk like that. I remember talking to my dad. I wanted a Mazda RX-7, right? 1983, man. I'm just like, I had, this, I had this GMC pickup, and I said, Dad, I want a Mazda RX-7 black, right? And I mean, in detail, I'm talking to my dad. And every Sunday, you know, we get the Sunday paper, and we go through the ads, and I would just, I would open it up to the classifieds, right, to that Mazda ad. And, you know, I'd just go over and lay it on the coffee table so he could mentally, imagery would just get into him. And he would, I wanted him to be clear on what it is that I was asking for. Sometimes you got to do self-examination too. Sometimes you got to look into yourself and be clear on what it is that you want. Maybe it's your family. Maybe there's a situation that you're going through. You got to be specific with God about what you have in mind for your family. Maybe you've got a cabin in the mountains of New York and you want to make sure that a convict doesn't spend the night in your cabin in New York. Be clear with him on that. Let him know. Let him know what the need is. Let him know what the problem is. Let him know what you're having a difficulty with in your life or who you're having a difficulty with. Let him know about the situation that you're facing and and the thing that's burning inside of you that you want to do. And you're only going to be able to do it if God shows up. Be clear with him what you really want. Jesus comes to the man and he says, what do you really want me to do for you? He didn't have to ask him that. Jesus knew what the man needed. He knew what the man wanted. Why in the world would he do that? Because he wanted the man to ask. For those of us that are parents, we understand that completely. We love it when our children ask us for the things that they want, for the things that they need. I think we get that from God. He wanted the man to verbalize his need. God says, listen, ask in prayer. And don't pray wimpy prayers. And you may think, well, God doesn't go, don't bring that sick stuff in here. No, I think God wants some strong prayers. I think he wants us to be passionate and he wants us to be clear. Maybe sometimes the best thing for us to do would be to write it down. Write it down and articulate. You say, well, that takes time and that takes energy. Sure it does. 
But we're talking about a miracle that you need in your life. We're talking about the thing that's the most important thing in the world to you. Don't be vague. Don't be lazy. Be clear. Write it out. Be specific. And then when you get the answer, write the answer down. That what God did for your life, it'll encourage you in the future. You start with a little faith and then it grows. And you start with faith-sized requests in your life. You need transportation and you don't have a lot of faith and you're asking. You may end up with rollerblades. Okay, maybe it grows a little bit more and you get a Hyundai. If you got a lot of faith, you pray for an F-150 and a 30-06, right? Because this is, this is big. As you make requests of God, you got to be clear. You got to be passionate. You got to be relentless. And then the fourth thing, here, here's what I believe. You got to believe. You got to believe it will happen. You got to expect God to act, you got to trust God to bring your answer. Look at verse 42. And Jesus said, all right, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. you got to expect God to answer. If you don't expect God to answer, don't pray. Believe him. You say, well, I don't have that much faith. Well, use the faith that you have. A little faith in a big God gets big answers. A little faith in a big God gets big answers. It's not the size of your faith, it's the size of God. And little faith in a big God gets big answers. I, I, I don't forget that the guy that, that came to Jesus, whose son was sick, and he needed Jesus to heal him. And he said, Jesus, I need my son to be healed. And Jesus said, do you believe I can heal him? And he says, well, I want to believe would you help me with my unbelief? And Jesus says, that's good enough. Your son's healed. And he healed him. But that man had just enough. Mark 11, verse 24. I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. You ask and you must believe. Well, how, how could I be? Maybe, so let's say now that you're open to that. I'm open to being more positive in my praying. How could I do that? I would say the first place to go to is the word of God. Go into the word of God and find the promises that God gives to us. There's over 7,000. I counted every single one of them. There are over 7,000 promises. I didn't. I, that's a lie. Okay. That was a lie. There are over 7,000 promises in the Bible. And as you read your Bible, you ought to underline those promises, star them, highlight them, whatever it is. But so you can get to them when you need them. You claim the promises of God in prayer. I'll never forget. I had this little, I had this little journal when I got sick. And I, I started reading my Bible. And as I found a promise that God made to me, I wrote it in my journal. I didn't just write the reference. I wrote the whole thing out. And every single morning I read them not just to me. I read them to God. I said, God, I just want to remind you, you said that if I did this, you'd do this. And I claim the promises of God. You have to claim the promises of God and you use them in your life. You claim them. They're there for you to take, but you have to claim them. And you say, Keith, that sounds like you're saying name it and claim it. Is that what you're saying? I'm saying name his word and name his promises. Because I think it's okay to claim promises that God's made to you. 
We do it every day. I mean, think about it. When I promise my kids something, they remind me relentlessly about the promise that I've made to them. Paul told the church at Philippi, my God shall supply all of your needs. Occasionally, you know what? I remind God of that. And he reminds me of some other things I need to be doing in my life as well. Listen, God wants to come through for you in your life. And when God comes through for you in your life, when he shows up and and he does what he says he will do, there's a fifth thing that I think every single one of us needs to do. I think we need to be grateful. I think we need to direct our gratitude and praise to God. Direct your gratitude and praise to God. When a miracle happens, you express your gratitude. Look at verse 43. Instantly the man could see, and he followed Jesus, praising God. And all who saw it praised God too. Notice the two things this guy did. After the miracle, he follows Jesus, and he gives thanks to God. Those are the two things you do. After you've received from God and after he's met a need in your life and he's answered your prayer, you follow him and you express to him your gratitude. I, this last week, it happened to me. Uh, we, had a, we have an all-staff meeting every month. All of our campuses come together. We meet over in the chapel here on the Battle Creek campus. And, and Chicago, their campus, they join us by TV and they watch and, and we interact together. But at the end, we always sing. We always praise God. And at the very end, Luke Emmert, who's our campus pastor at Midtown, he's leading us in worship. And we begin to sing. I don't even remember what the song was now, but I do remember this. I'm like, I'm into it, man. And I mean, I'm singing with all that I've got. And it, and it strikes me. God, thank you for my voice. Thank you that today I can sing. And if eight, seven, eight years ago, you're one of the people who stood next to me after I had my surgery and all that, you remember, I could do like one, two words, and I start coughing like crazy. I couldn't even put a whole sentence together. But I'm standing, I'm just, thank you, God, that I can sing to you today. I think I was the only person in that whole room who was thankful for me singing that last week. But I was thankful. So thankful that God did that to me in my life. If you go back one chapter in Luke chapter 17, you find these 10 lepers. Leprosy in that day was like nobody wants anything to do with you. These 10 lepers come to Jesus. He heals all 10 of them. They go away. One guy comes back and says thank you. How many times in our life are we guilty of that? God shows up, does things for us, and we forget to even say thank you. We have to express our gratitude to God in our life. We have, to, we have to thank him for all that he's done. In all your prayers, ask God for what you need. Always asking him with a thankful heart. Here's what I think. I think a lot of people think this. You should thank God while you're asking. Thank him while you're asking. Not just after the answer comes. But while you're waiting, while you're asking for it, I think you've got to maintain an attitude of gratitude. And you have to thank him for all that he's done and all that he's going to do in your life. I just thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done. Lord, thank you for what you're doing. God, thank you for what you're going to do. Can you imagine if your kids walked up to you? Dad, I just want to tell you, that bike I've been asking you for, 
I just want to thank you for it right now. I just want to thank you for it right now. And I know that you've told me, Dad, that you love me and you want what's best for me and you want to answer and meet the needs in my life. And so I just want to thank you right now for the bike that I'm asking you for. You know what would happen? We're headed to Toys R Us right there in the car. I think God's like that. I think he loves us that way. Praise is used 550 times in the Bible. 550. The Bible says to rejoice in the Lord always. What's that mean? Always rejoice in the Lord. It's one thing to talk about prayer. Great conversation, great discussion. It's another thing to get on your knees, bow your head, open up your heart and your mind and to pray. I got a practical challenge for all of us this week. Three areas. I want you to find something for the church, find something for someone else, and then find something for yourself if you don't already have it. I'll give you one for the church if you don't have one. In, in another week, our students are all going to camp with Lucas, who meets with and throws fish back in the water when he's talking to the guy. No. Our students are going to camp. Camp's a powerful place. We're going to have hundreds and hundreds of young people, and we're going to have them for a week, away from all of you and all your stuff and all the stuff of this world and we're gonna be able to pour Jesus into their life. You need to be praying for those students right now. You need to find somebody else in your life that you can be praying for. Be their intercessor, be praying for them. And then you identify something in your own life and you ask God for something. And don't be vague, don't be lazy, be clear. God, I want, I plead with you, I claim. Be clear with him. Don't miss out on the blessing that he has for you in your life. Let me tell you about the power of prayer. Prayer has divided seas. It has rolled up flowing rivers. It's made flinty rocks gush into fountains. Prayer has quenched flames of fire, muzzled lions, disarmed vipers and poisons. It has marshaled the stars against the wicked. It has stopped the course of the moon. It has arrested the sun in its rapid race. It has burst open iron gates. It has recalled souls from eternity. It has conquered the strongest devils. It has commanded legions of angels down from heaven. Prayer has bridled and changed the raging passions of man and routed and destroyed vast armies of proud, daring, blustering atheists. Prayer has brought one man from the bottom of the sea and carried another in a chariot of fire to heaven. That's prayer. And it's there for each and every one of us today. Would you bow your heads? I think every one of us need a miracle in our life. As I've looked over this room today and I've seen pairs of eyes staring back at me, it's only been validated over and over and over again. But you may be here today and you may say, you know what? I don't have a relationship with God and I want a relationship with him. Today, I wanna help you with that. If you're sitting here today and you would say, Keith, I wanna begin my relationship with God. I want him to come into my heart. I want him to save me. Here's what I want you to do. I believe you can do this today. I want you to talk to him and I want you to pray and I want you to pray believing and just say this prayer with me. Just say, dear God, 
in the best way that I know how, I ask you right now to come into my life and to save me. God, I believe that you died for me. God, I believe that you rose for me. God, I believe that you can forgive me. And so I ask it right now and I receive it with everything that I have. Jesus, save me right now. And I wanna pray one more prayer today. And if you're here today and you would say, Keith, I need a miracle in my life. Would you, nobody's looking around. Would you just trust me for just a second? And would you just raise your hand and wave it at me? I need a miracle in my life. Wow. Lord, we lift our hands to you today. And we ask you to do what only you can do. God, we choose to say today that we believe in you. God, we choose today to say that we believe the promises of your word are true. And God, we ask you to invade the situations of our life and to do what only you can do. And today we pray that prayer in the name of Jesus Christ, who is the Savior of this world. God, we pray it to our Heavenly Father that we know loves us beyond love's inconceivable definition that we have in our minds and our hearts today. God, we believe that you love us more than we can even imagine. And God, we say today we receive your love. We receive your blessing. God, we choose today to receive your promises. God, please do what only you can do. And we pray it in Jesus' name. And we all say amen. And amen. God bless you guys.